Welcome to Supply Chain Partners TV and podcast, where we discuss innovative solutions delivered by our members at Supply Chain Partners. Our members can help you to build a high-performing business and supply chain. I'm Dr. Sharon Grant, the founder of Supply Chain Partners. I've worked in the logistics and supply chain management field for over 20 years, and I specialize in strategic supply chain performance management. Let's now introduce you to our member. With us today is Mark Bramich, the General Manager, Global Logistics at Natrio Logistics. Natrio Logistics is a truly global logistics company and freight forwarder with a global reach for import and export by air, sea and road. They provide superior services and bespoke solutions for all forms of commercial freight with ultra competitive pricing. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Sharon. It's great to be here. Today's episode is about achieving a competitive advantage in global logistics. Providing a global logistics service is a massive undertaking and requires helping clients to manage the flow of goods through supply chains from where goods are being made to where they are being consumed. Natrio Logistics helps clients to facilitate the flow of goods nationally and globally. Mark, why is it important to achieve a competitive advantage in global logistics? It's a good question, Sharon. And like most things in a complex world that logistics can be, like to keep things fairly simple. So at the end of the day, break it down into the two major categories of, of what anyone moves in terms of freight is either finished goods, as you've mentioned, but also raw materials. So, so we move a, a wide variety of both finished product and the raw materials into uh, various countries, obviously Australia, trying to go further manufacturing. So at the end of the day, the cost of the freight, the cost of storing finished product and all raw materials for distributing both of those, it all ends up in the finished price on the shelf, what consumers purchase ultimately. So everyone wants to be competitive. Everyone has competition. I have competition in what, in what I do. So ultimately, it's all coming down to making our customers and their customers and even maybe their customers through the supply chain more competitive, giving that, that advantage to win more business or increase their margins, however they want to cut that. And, and that's as simple as that. Thanks, Mark. There are many global supply chain risks and issues that organisations need to address on a daily basis. What are some of the greatest concerns that can prevent an organisation from achieving a competitive advantage in global logistics? Another good question, Sharon. And again, ultimately, everything boils down to cost in terms of losing or gaining or losing competitive advantage in global logistics. So every, everything we do and everything we do to help our customers and our customers' customers through that supply chain, however many levels through, is about dollars and cents. Hopefully not down to cents, but definitely dollars. So we've all lived through the last few years of COVID and, and the impacts that that had on supply chain, on, on global logistics. Uh, many of us will be aware of a lot of the buzzwords, particularly in America. America, like supply chain snarls is one that uh, you come across the, the Americans love to talk about. But essentially, again, I, I boil that down into a few major things uh, that we monitor uh, daily and we do. We monitor you know, for all of our customers, not just shipping rates, but the things that are driving shipping rates. So obviously uh, what the carriers are doing in terms of ocean uh, new capacity, uh, hopefully new capacity, and that, that is definitely happening. So through COVID, we, we, we're all aware that you know, shipping prices globally uh, there'd be hardly a trade lane that went unscathed through massive increases. And that was all about supply and demand. It was a huge demand on hard goods. People couldn't spend money on travel. So they went and bought TVs and couches and everything. Those things are, are manufactured mainly overseas. For us Australians, manufactured in Asia mainly. So they put a huge amount of demand on the ocean carriers and they were able to make exorbitant profits and still are. So we're looking at things still coming out of COVID where space is 
vessel capacity is freeing up on many trade lanes and will continue to as the carriers that the big ocean carriers inject more vessel capacity. We're also looking at the empty equipment because it's one thing to get a slot on a vessel, then you've got to go and get the empty to fill that slot. So there's been this huge, and there still is big problems around the empty equipment in the world being imbalanced or being in the wrong places at the wrong time. So there's pockets where there's too much and then there's not enough. So ultimately we're looking at supply of empty equipment and how that flows. And there's a lot of things around port congestion it's still happening. It was a big hot topic through COVID. It's probably eased a little bit, but certainly port congestion is a big thing to look at. Probably been driven now, they say in the US and the UK recently by a union and, and maritime or uh, stevedoring strikes, uh, disruption through there. So uh, that's continuing. Australia's had a, uh, all our major ports and stevedores have had industrial action over the last few years. So we can continue to monitor that. Things like weather and geopolitical risks that, that are happening constantly, and that had nothing to do with COVID before, and we'll still live through that before and after COVID. You know, we're watching those, but the, the main drivers are, as I said, uh, that we watch in terms of disruptors to supply chain efficiency or cost is around, you know, the amount of vessel space globally in the trade lanes that we look at, but look no, over the world, where the empty equipment is and issues around the empty equipment and, and the port issues. So congestion at ports caused by supply and demand or too many vessels locking up at a time and what the throughput can handle or is that caused by labour shortages? COVID was a big issue for labour at ports. That's, that's, that's easing now. Obviously, China's still an issue, uh, but it's easing in most parts. But industrial action continues to happen globally and the UK su- suffered in recent times. So well, that's all the main things that we, we monitor. There's, there's probably a lot of others, but I said other overcomplicate things, but there's, you know, it, it gives you an idea uh, of the, that, that we are we definitely look from on behalf of our customers. We've got a good handle on these these risk areas. Ultimately, it drives rates, and that's what, the, what our customers are concerned about. Thanks, Mark. Could you please explain the types of clients that Natrio Logistics serves? Excellent question, Sharon. Essentially, we're open where we are in our business evolution. Uh, we haven't been around for, for 50 or 60 years, like a lot of established forwarders have been. Um, saying that, we're, we're emerging. And through that, we still have that youthful exuberance to essentially look at most customer types. There's a few that, as we're going through our evolution, and that we're probably preferring not to deal with. But essentially, big, small, everything in between, we love to handle it. So, but commercial customers, I do get a lot of inquiry through advertising and marketing that we've been doing so far from the general public to move a pallet or here, a couple of cartons here, and, and respectfully decline that. So, it's important to know that we exclusively deal with commercial customers. But inside that, those customer base, we have some that are only moving LCL pallets by air or sea. And the appreciation that we receive from those customers, knowing that you know, the bigger forwarders generally will start stay away from them because they're too small. But our view is from little things, big things can grow. And we have a lot of fun in, in handling those customers because a lot of them are just started their business evolution as well. And that makes what we do really enjoyable. And we have that freedom to be able to interact with essentially a whole range of customers. Yes, we prefer FCL, full container loads. I'm sure everybody does. However, we, we move a lot of LCL pallets cartons by air and sea and so it's a growing part of our business i think fcl was probably where our business started but we're now really emerging into a lot of our lcl as well to complement our fcl customers or starting with a customer who only wants to move a few pallets here and there but our view is always bigger picture stuff help those businesses grow with the view that at some stage they might end up moving a million FCLs uh, around the world. Who, who knows? We don't discriminate essentially generally at this point in time, other than to say that you know we deal with commercial customers. Thanks, Mark. I'm keen to discuss how Natrio Logistics has helped its clients. Could you please provide one or two real-life client examples how Natrio Logistics has helped its clients to achieve a competitive advantage in global logistics? 
Excellent, Sharon. No problem. Pleasure. Probably give a couple of ends of the spectrum in terms of an established importer and then an emerging importer-exporter or established predominantly importer, but uh, doing some export as well in terms of the larger customers. So that business, this importer is in the agricultural sector and will probably be moving thousands of containers import a year, predominantly import with sort of some export as well from all over the world, but predominantly maybe mainly Europe continent on the import lane, some going into New Zealand and then moving some back from New Zealand and, and moving some product back into other countries, but mainly say Europe. So they approached uh, myself October, November last year. Uh, so this is established importer that's been importing 20 or 30 years and, and large volume. So one country in particular, which was Portugal, where they import a lot of product from, they just would not get any space and or empties. I'm not 100% sure whether it was both or it was one, but bottom line is they couldn't get their product into Australia. And uh, they'd heard that uh, through um, some mutual contacts of, of ours that we both know that I was having some success uh, where others haven't been able to. And the, the long story short, it's always complicated, easy, a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat and tears, but through probably from initial inquiry to maybe a month later, I had the first lot of containers on the water. So in the space of that next month, I'd had three different shipping lines, probably mainly with one, but a couple of others as well. And we were moving several hundred containers. So it was the, the appreciation was high and, and through that, you know, I've been able to maintain some existing business. Uh, they were largely doing CIF or CFR terms, so through their suppliers. And so then they broke that down to FOB and then adding on uh, my freight services. So you know, again, you know, thinking a little bit differently, being used to those INCO terms, doing business for a lot of years that way, it was a time to rethink how to do it. My suggestion was, yeah, to, to get FOB pricing for their product and, and I'll handle the freight. So that was a um, particularly pleasing story and we continue to engage with that customer today. They do some work still CIF and CFR, probably the majority of their work, but we're happy to, to move the volume, which is quite significant for us still in the FOB. We've actually just picked up, as we speak today, we're loading in the Netherlands as well. So it's our first time for loading in the Netherlands, but we've been you know, bringing product out of Lisbon into all uh, major ports of Australia and, and, and into Tasmania, where I'm residing and, and talking from since probably late last year and hopefully continue to. So that's a, on a, a bigger end of town, all FCL work and quite, quite significant for us in terms of volume. And then from a smaller perspective, but equally as exciting, we don't discriminate. Sometimes the smaller stuff, the smaller customers and, and smaller movements can be more exciting because you know, we, we learn a lot. And we're still learning and evolving in terms of our contacts globally and, and moving things around. So this is a manufacturer and a, an importer and a exporter providing rural merchandise and they're based uh, in New South Wales and growing uh, at a fair rate. So we started with a, with a couple of inquiries. The national supply chain manager reached out and we had a chat and I think her view was too, oh, maybe we're not the right fit, maybe we're too small. I'm not the right fit for you. And, and, and as I've said already, that wasn't the case. So we put a few prices up. I think at that stage, they were looking at across multiple different forwarders, you know, maybe taking the best price option at that point in time. So uh, we didn't win the first couple, but then we, we hung in there as we do and we like to and, and we persist. And from that point in time, which maybe two to three months ago, we now have FCL, LCL by Air and Sea in and out of Australia. First container going into Long Beach. USA has been a fairly new market for us. So we have our first FCL heading off to Long Beach that we loaded a couple of weeks ago. We've done some significant air freights as well. Um, we've got multiple uh, FCLs coming in from different ports in China and we're handling all the uh, buying FOB, we're handling all the trucking as well. So uh, bringing from Melbourne port uh, and doing all the customs clearance, handling the trucking into up into New South Wales. It's really enjoyable. And you know, I only spoke to the, to the supply chain manager yesterday and what keeps me motivated in busy times and challenging times and certainly in days where things might not, might not be going 100% smooth is the feedback that we get. I think I'd like to say that they're looking to sort of make us their exclusive forwarder and make it simple for them. You know, reaching out to multiple forwarders, obviously different times. 
time. We've been able to show and prove our ability through a couple of trial shipments to say we can handle yeah, FCL, bread and butter. I've um, actually got an urgent air freight that we picked up only on Monday to go to a, a big rural trade fair in Kentucky in the US. We've been having some problems uh, getting done and uh, we we're able to get that job done as well. So, yeah, really exciting. And, you know, in the language that's been sort of used by the customers, you know, we're not your biggest, we probably never will be. It doesn't matter to us. It's exciting. It's opening up different uh, relationships and, and partnerships. And that's what probably that, that word is what we're all about, about partnerships, about supply and about customer, about our partners. So, and, and essentially, you know, again, making it easy for them to tap into new markets, unexplored markets, you know, to get an urgent air freight for quite a sizable item to the US, which you've been working on maybe for weeks or months and with no success. And we were able to swing into action, get it there. So hopefully they can find distribution and customers. It's, it's great. It's what we love to do. Thanks, Mark. They're excellent examples. What would be a key lesson you have learned that could help your future clients? It's another good question. They're all, all good questions, Sharon. I think what through all of all of the interactions that we've had since we've sort of started this business and, and growing this business, one thing that we've learned with our customers, our partners, is the importance of listening. So really listening from those early conversations and meetings about what their pain points. And, and, and sometimes they don't know, you know, you're guiding them to breaking down into where can we add value? Because we've had conversations with potential customers where I haven't felt that we can add value to what they're currently doing. And we're all busy people. I guess we want business, we want customers, but we're really about providing value for people, doing something a bit different. You talk about adding value in the supply chain or giving them competitive advantage in the supply chain. I think for both sitting as a customer and a supplier, it's the importance of listening to each other. This is what we need, this is what we can do, and then finding some, hopefully, some common ground through that. So we do. I think we do that quite well when we take the time to listen, to get to know our potential customer, because obviously at the startup point, our potential, how we can assist, add value to what they're doing, doing things better, more efficiently, cheaper, yes, I mean, boils down to that dollar. So that's the big thing that I talk about to my team as we go out and speak to people is, you know, I can talk a lot, I have no problems in talking, and but equally is important, but more important sometimes is listening. Yeah, that's the key for us. Thanks, Mark. They're valuable key lessons. Natrio Logistics has considerable experience helping their clients with their global logistics requirements. Mark, what would you consider to be Natrio Logistics' key strengths in helping its clients to achieve a competitive advantage in global logistics? Sure, Sharon. I think, as any startup business would, sometimes you don't know what you have an idea what your strengths are, but they evolve. And ours certainly have. And with all the marketing that I've been doing recently and will continue to do, and with your assistance, we call it four pillars. There's four key areas, and we've elaborated on some of them, if not all of them, a little bit in this conversation so far. So, vessel space guaranteed access to vessel space. As I think that's something that we pride ourselves on. We have a couple of key carriers that we use predominantly, so our preferred carrier. We have our A preferred carrier. And then underneath the preferred carrier, we probably have another two or three key and then maybe another five to seven other providers we can tap into if we need. But through that, the first thing that we look to offer our customers is guaranteed space. Now, why is that important? It's been really important through COVID that the people want their product, whether it's finished goods, to go on the shelf, onto the top floor or raw materials to go into the factory. They want them moving reliably and at a good pace. So now we saw through COVID that lots of businesses went out and acquired more warehousing space to hold more inventory because you know, the risk of running out was obviously lost sales or lost production, which just ends up being lost sales. So lost revenue it was a common theme through COVID. I'm encouraging our customers not to go down that path. We've had, hasn't been perfect, it never is 100%, but certainly we have a high rate of reliability in accessing the vessel space and weekly, not weekly, 
strategically sailing. So we say we can guarantee space on every vessel that leaves every uh, port of loading to every port of destination weekly. And sometimes it might be every 10 days, whatever that port pairing is, whether it's uh, sometimes it might be every three days, every week, every 10 days, but we guarantee space. Uh, and that's really important. And we definitely mention empty equipment because it's one thing to get vessel space. No point having a vessel space if you can't get the empty containers to fill the slots of the space. So again, through our, certainly our key carriers, um, we have that guarantee and it's been quite faultless through the last three years. We've hardly missed a beat. As I said, nothing's perfect. There's been an odd issue here and there, here and there but so certainly it's been the absolute exception rather than the rule. It's something, again, that we we pride ourselves on So those two to have to go hand in hand in our view. You can't have one without the other. Or you can and it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a recipe for success. Our global presence, which continues to grow, but from a, in a very short period of time, we have established our own offices uh, in several countries, so our own staff, Natrio staff, uh, that work as part of uh, part of my team. Certainly in a country like China, it's been absolutely critical in terms of our success. And we, we're winning business because of the fact that we just don't have agents in China, we have our own staff. So to deal with, whether it's irrespective of what terms you're buying, it's FIB, CIF, CFR, we have people on the ground to have those communications in their own language around about, you know, we control all the bookings here in Australia, we make all the bookings uh, in my team um, all over the world in no other country are other bookings place but once we know when, uh, when our customer needs to move we communicate it safe from our staff in China to here and then we can uh, they can do all the interaction with the actual supplier so the, the factories all the sellers the shippers so that's really key and in countries where we, where we don't have staff and we don't have staff in every every country we what we call A-grade agents probably all say that I'm sure we say we only, only have A-grade agents but, it's, but we genuinely have affiliated ourselves and partnered ourselves with really good agents in those other countries. And that continues to grow as we take on different uh, trade routes. Uh, there's a lot of countries in the world and there's a lot of ports in the world. So we're not shipping out of every single one of them. And I'd be foolish and lying to say that that we are, but we certainly can. We have that capability and that's the key. So having, you know, I, and, and I personally uh, build those relationships myself. So finding and sourcing and it's predominantly family-run businesses, but but family-run businesses that have been in the in the logistics business uh, for a lot of years, and and we have a lot of discussion over Zoom and over Teams, like we're doing now. Uh, get to feel each other. Uh, not you know, hasn't been possible to travel, uh, which we'll all do more of in, in in the coming months and years. But certainly, I think that's a big strength that we have. The quality of communication is is just paramount to what we do. Uh, we all, I'm sure, say that we, are, we, we give the best communication. Well, I guarantee we don't all give the best communication because we win business based upon that fact that, that our customers have been let down by their their previous forwarders. So uh, it's really important to us, and we'll continue and we continue to do that as we move forward through other countries. And then make clear that we can handle. Uh, we do every day of the week handle customs clearance both at origin and destination for our customers. So part of that whole packaging up, it's called a door to door move. Inco terms don't have we don't call it door to door in global uh, in global shipping. But in domestic shipping, we do in Australia, we do, and we do a lot of domestic shipping here in Australia. Keep it simple when talking about thinking about a door to door movement. We have to obviously clear the goods at origin, uh, clear the goods at destination, com combine that with all the different forms of the, the multimodal transport that I've mentioned. I think it's really important. So we, we're able to handle that as well. And then to talk about multimodal, so we can handle all inco terms. We are handling all inco terms, and there's quite a few of them, and uh, all forms of intermodal transport. So road, Rail, obviously ocean, and ocean is the big one, but road and rail we do uh, a lot of. And air freight is really an emerging part of our business as well, probably underneath ocean now become our second biggest form of, of modal transport. Lots of times we're combining an air 
or a sea freight movement with road and rail. So you're, sometimes you've got three forms of intermodal transport in the one booking. So being able to cross over all those four, four main forms sort of rounds us out with the strength, Sharon. Thanks, Mark. Could you please further elaborate about your global reach? Sure, Sharon. So when I, when I just say that we are a truly global logistics company and freight forwarder, what does it really mean? And again, let's keep it pretty simple. So spoken about like through you know all the different forms of freight and different inco terms, but you know essentially we can move import, export in and out of any country, not just Australia. So you can coming in into a country, out of a country, wherever that may be. Uh, full container loads, uh, less than container loads. So over-dimensional cargo, cargo or out of gauge, I mean, we engage with railroad carriers to move a lot of uh, over-dimensional cargo and move over-dimensional cargo in uh, on, on the ocean carriers as well. So, so roll on, roll off, I've mentioned, it sort of integrate, it sort of links in um, with, the, with the out of gauge or over-dimensional. However, we also put a time, especially in the domestic market, we put containers on uh, roll-on, roll-off vessels as opposed to uh, container vessels because sometimes those port pairings, uh, the routing's not available or the capacity's not there for us. So part of what you know, the, the bespoke solutions that we talk about that we do well, uh, the outside the square thinking is that we engage with roll-on, roll-off vessels. Bulk, bulk shipping is uh, the Natrio, the wider Natrio business is uh, very specialised in bulk. It's not so much for Natrio Global Logistics, we would, if we have any inquiry, we certainly have through our uh, our brothers and sisters at Natrio, who in one certain commodity are the largest distributor globally, moving over a million tonnes a year of a bulk commodity in bulk vessels into Natrio's bulk sheds. So we have that tying if we need. Uh, break bulk, air, sea, road, we've mentioned that, and uh, and rail should also mention, so all those forms of multimodal transport. So that applying to any country globally. There's obviously a few that, uh, for political reasons, that no one can, uh, can do business with, and... Um, and we know probably know we can probably think about who they are. So, but all things being equal, where we can and can't do business, yeah, that, that's what we can do. Thanks, Mark. Natrio Logistics offers ultra competitive pricing. Could you please explain how you are able to provide your clients with ultra competitive pricing? Uh, thanks for the question, Sharon. Well, I think again, and I hope to harp on this a little bit in terms of trying to not overcomplicate things. We're not a household name, admittedly, in, in freight forwarding, and maybe never will be maybe that's not where we want to be we are winning plenty of, of business based upon the merit and some of the things the strengths that i've spoken about and how we go about our business um, and part of that and i think part of the the, the conversation is always about pricing so we say ultra competitive pricing what does that really mean how do we go about that so we're very fortunate that we we're part of the, the natrio global business and and through that offers us some nice benefits and one of those is that we share office space with natrio uh, in, in in wherever they're based uh, in, in australia our, our office is in Commerce street in melbourne i'm not paying to have my team sit in those expensive office spaces it's part of the benefit of, of, of the, the natrio global business office me to be able to build my business and so What's that? Why is that relevant? It's about overhead. I don't have an exorbitantly high high overhead. I don't have to have offices, even though we can work from home a lot these days, and my team does certainly. But they do they do go into the office a lot as well and have that interaction, which is really important. So we have a low overhead base, and through that, um, when I'm pricing up work, I can be what I think is very competitive. I don't know standard margin from of my competitors. I'm only guided by the fact that when I put rates forward, that the reaction is generally that they are ultra competitive and that's the feedback uh, i don't think we're too cheap i think we, we all have to make money in business that's why we're here i have uh, i have the owners of natrio to, to report to through uh, through my boss and have a responsibility to to grow this company uh, uh, and to yield a good profit to natrio to the owners of natrio but i think it's a it's a key advantage and it's, just, and, and it's simple it's not it's not complicating people can understand the fact that from where we are 
through with sharing resource with the Natrio Global business. Um, they're affording us the, free office space as one example. But that can be a large overhead for businesses to, to situate their staff. That all has to go into your pricing, yeah, ultimately. So we maintain uh, low overhead, and which doesn't diminish the quality of, of our service at all. I'm currently recruiting more more staff, and that's not not easy. I think a lot a lot of people, a lot of, doesn't matter what business you're in, know it's a, it's a hard market. But again, being able to re- recruit people to bring into the business as we're growing is important. But that those other overheads around your around the staff and then the quality of staff that I want, um, they're fortunate that, that that I'm not overburdened with that, and that'll keep and, and continue pricing to be ultra competitive, very competitive for the for a different word. And I think I think it's pretty that simple, Sharon. Thanks, Mark. Global logistics can get quite complex. How do you help your clients to manage complexity? That's a very good question, and it's very relevant to conversations I have almost daily. So, and I've said this a few times on on our chat today, we we shield our customers from that complexity. If it was easy, they'd be doing it themselves. A lot of customers or companies are certainly big enough to to do this this function themselves. I guess they'd have to have more staff. It's not easy to get that, as I've mentioned just recently. But say if you roll back three years, getting labour was easier. Then you could you can bring stuff. This sort of you can bring what we do in house, and companies do as you get to, to, to different uh, scale and economies of scale. Some companies do that. They get to a point where their their spend on on freight and logistics on freight forwarding is significant, and they think we'll we'll do that ourselves. However, I think there's some you know lots of companies have learned it's not it, it, it's not just that easy. And what I say daily, maybe every second day, um, certainly regularly to our customers is when we're having conversations, and I can tell. You know, I like to be open and transparent how we go about things, but I can tell that you know the complexity is is confusing people. Then you know I get to a point where I say, okay, let's let's leave it there. You you know don't need to know all the nitty gritty. Uh, you've been, you've engaged us to do this uh, for a reason. Uh, let us handle it. So I suppose it's essentially giving a customer as much transparency uh, as they want, and then being comfortable with that. And then knowing that the complexity of the task, and we spoke, we, we say that we're bespoke solution specialists. Um, the harder the task, the better. Sometimes I, you know, I say, oh, do I really want to say that? Because uh, things can be pretty challenging. But I mean, we do, we do thrive in that environment. Um, but we also thrive on, on the the very simple. You know, so A to B is simple. It sounds simple, but you know, it might be A to D, to D via B and C. Uh, often things aren't just going straight lines. So really the best way we deal with complexity is to keep it simple in our customers' eyes. I guess how I can sum it up best, Sharon. Thanks, Mark. Natrio Logistics definitely provides a comprehensive global logistics service. Well, thank you very much, Mark, for joining us today from Natrio Logistics. Thank you, Sharon. Um, thank you for your time. I hope uh, your audience that uh, have a, uh, a listen to this and, and watch this uh, find it useful. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Well, that concludes today's episode about achieving a competitive advantage in global logistics with Natrio Logistics. You will find all of their contact details listed below. So join us again at Supply Chain Partners TV and Podcast, where we meet with our expert supplier members to discuss key business and supply chain issues, topics and trends, including logistics, supply chain management, technology and much more. We invite you to subscribe to this Supply Chain Partners channel and we look forward to you joining us again in a future episode.